Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here at the park today because today we are midway through our message series called Drift, where we're talking about the things that cause us to drift away from Christ. But more importantly, we're talking about what we can do to get back to Christ if we have drifted and how to prevent drift in the future. And today, we're talking about a cause of drift that I think is probably the most insidious cause of drift that there is. And and the reason I say insidious is because often it disguises itself as something really good. And, And honestly, it usually starts out as something really good. But I'm telling you, it becomes twisted and dark in a hurry. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, I once knew a pastor who was so judgmental. I mean, unbelievably judgmental. If, uh, <clears throat> uh, for instance, if, if someone, he got in the car of someone and they didn't already have Christian music dialed in on the radio, well then, he was convinced like, they just didn't love Jesus very much. Yeah, or if they, he saw them ever drink alcohol, like any alcohol ever. Well, they clearly didn't love Jesus because, well, yes, Jesus did drink wine, but he was certain it was the non-alcoholic kind made by Welch's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if he ever heard someone cuss, say any kind of a cuss word, well, they didn't love Jesus because Jesus would never, uh, you know, want them to ever say a wordy dirt. So they didn't love Jesus. Or if they ever missed church for any other reason other than being in the hospital with like on the brink of organ failure, then clearly they didn't love Jesus because if someone loved Jesus, they would show Jesus their love by coming to church even if they had to come in a hospital gown. Now look, if they ever came to church in a hospital gown, they're gonna be showing more than the love of Jesus. I can tell you that right now. But I'm telling you, this guy was so judgmental, so judgmental. And the reason that I know he was so judgmental is because that guy was me. And I'm telling you, I used to be like that. I was so judgmental. That was me for years. I mean, look, I believed in forgiveness. Like, I was all for forgiveness. But I thought that once a person received the forgiveness of Christ, like, hey, like, that's it. From that point forward, like, you need to toe the line. Like, you need to start doing the things that God wants you to do. And if a person didn't, well, I guess they just didn't really love Jesus all that much. Or at least they didn't love Jesus as much as me. Now, that's a terrible attitude for a pastor, don't you think? I mean, that's, that's a terrible attitude. Yeah. Keeping it real at the park, baby. Keeping it real. That's right. For those of you in the back, somebody over here said, uh huh, that's right. So. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Like, look, I had, I had drifted. Like, I had drifted really far from Christ because I didn't show people grace. And because I drifted so far, like, I was perfectly willing to give people a very healthy dose of, you know, judgmentalism. And yes, I just made up that word. 
I gave people a very healthy dose of judgmentalism because if other people weren't doing what I was doing to follow Christ, well then they clearly didn't love Jesus all that much. And that healthy dose of a judgmentalism, judgmentalism, I'm telling you, I'm certain at some point in time caused some people to drift because I'm sure that there are people who thought, you know what? If Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with me because I don't have it all together, well then you know what? I guess I really don't want to have all that much to do with Jesus. And so I caused other people to drift. And see, and here's the thing about drifting away from showing people grace. I'm telling you, it happens so slowly that we rarely even notice it. And all the while, there's other people that are around us that are applauding us for ramping up our commitment to follow Jesus. And so it feels like that since I'm doing more to follow Jesus, that other people automatically should be doing what I'm doing. And if they're not doing what I'm doing, well, then I guess they're not nearly as committed to Jesus. I guess they don't really love Jesus near as much as I do. I mean, so do you see how this sort of drift tends to happen to us? Look, and when we drift away from feeling grace for other people, I'm telling you, it is a very short path to becoming arrogant and legalistic and judgmental. And and when we become like that, not only are we not very close to Jesus, but we cause other people to drift away from Jesus at the same time. And I wonder, honestly, I shudder at how many people have drifted away and don't want to have anything to do with Jesus because they've come across a Christian who was incredibly judgmental. I wonder how many of us have been on the receiving end of someone else being judgmental. And it... And it's not like that when somebody's judgmental, it really makes us want to change, right? I mean, it never makes us want to respond with something, oh my goodness, you're so right. I'm just not as wonderful as you are. I'm going to go home right now and make big changes in my life. No, nobody ever responds like that. In fact, it almost always has the opposite effect of driving us farther away from Christ because we don't want to be associated or be anything like that. And so it causes those people to drift. And if we're the person that's judgmental, it causes us to drift. I'm telling you. And so here's the thing. If Christianity is ever going to spread across this world, then we got to stop talking about all of what Jesus is against and start talking about what Jesus is for. If we're going to see Christianity spread across our nation, then we've got to stop being so judgmental and start being loving. If we're going to reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity, then we've got to stop looking at people with a raised eyebrow and start looking at people with an extended hand. If we're going to, at Parkway Fellowship, if we're going to reach 10% of this community for Christ, then we've got to help people stop thinking that they've got to change before they come to church and help them realize that when they, they come to church so that they can change. That's what it's about. I want you to look at what Jesus says to his followers. In John 13, beginning in verse 34 and 35, so go ahead and pull out your message notes and follow along with me. Jesus says this. He says, 
a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Okay, now wait a minute, hold on. Why is love one another a new command? I mean, doesn't the Bible talk about loving one another like sometime before this? Well, yeah, actually it does. Look at the old command. It's in Leviticus 19.18. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. So, like, aren't these things, like, aren't these pretty close to the same thing? Well, they're it. They are, but there really is one very important distinction. See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Command, we're commanded to love other people as much as we love ourselves. Look, and that should be enough, because who do we tend to look out first? Look out for first? Yeah, ourselves, right? But See, that's part of the problem because when we look out for ourselves first, we tend to not love other people as much as we love ourselves. We tend to love other people after we love ourselves. And so Jesus takes this thing to a whole nother level. And so Jesus says something new. He says, we are to love other people as he has loved us. And when we do that, Jesus says, it is then and only then that other people will know that we are his disciples. Okay, well then that begs the question of how do I love other people like Jesus loves me? How do I do that? Well, two key ways we'll talk about this morning, and here's the first. I need to love other people without judging. I mean, I got to love other people without judging. Look at the Bible says in an encounter that Jesus had with a woman in John chapter 8, verse 3. It says this. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Okay, now time out. Pause right there, okay? You ever wondered how these super righteous guys caught a woman in the middle of adultery? Yeah, I know. We don't know for sure, but... There's something pretty shady about these self-righteous guys that they knew exactly where to find this woman and at exactly what time to find this woman to catch her in the act of adultery. In fact, many scholars think that these self-righteous guys set the whole thing up. And if that's true, like how sick and twisted is that? I mean, how far have these people drifted? Let's pick it up. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, have you ever wondered what Jesus wrote on the ground? You ever thought about that for a moment? I mean, nobody really knows, but I wonder if he was writing the names of the people that were there accusing so that they would know that Jesus knew about them and maybe what they had done. Or I wonder if Jesus was writing down their sins 
And so when they saw it, they were incredibly convicted. But look, either way, or no matter what he wrote, look at the reaction. Verse 9. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And I want you to underline this. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now, and I want you to underline the rest of this, leave your life of sin. Look, Jesus didn't judge her. Oh, and I'm telling you, he could have. I mean, look, this is a clear case of adultery. Jesus never says that she actually wasn't caught in adultery because she was. He just didn't judge her. I'm telling you, it, it's, it's so easy to sit in judgment of other people, isn't it? And, and unfortunately, that's the reputation of most Christians as judgmental. But look, we can't be judgmental because when we are judgmental of someone else, else, that means that we have drifted away from Christ and we are dragging the people that we're judging right along with us. So what can I do to not be so judgmental? Well, let me give you a couple things. These are your bullet points. Let me give you two things to help us not be so judgmental. Here's the first. The first is that I need to view everyone as in process. How to view everyone as in process. Everyone is in the process of becoming more like Christ. Everyone, even those people who haven't become Christ followers yet, they're still in the process. They're just at the beginning and haven't taken that first step yet. Now, for those people who are Christ followers, they are all in the process of being refined by the Holy Spirit to become more like Christ. Christ. And get this, when you are judgmental of someone else, of where they are in the process, essentially you are criticizing the Holy Spirit by saying he's not doing a good enough job. Now do you really want to be the kind of person that's criticizing the job God's doing in other people? No. Because look, you got to remember, like just because they might not be in the same place in the process as you, they're still in process. And remember, they haven't completed the process when their lives look like you. They've only completed the process when their lives look like Jesus. And so we ought not judge people, no matter where they are in the process, because everybody is in process process. Okay, now, second thing that'll help us is this, is that I need to remember that I don't know a person's story. I don't know a person's story. Look, when I judge someone, I judge them as if they have lived my story, but they haven't. They've lived their story. Look, and I've discovered that when I know a person's story, I tend to be a whole lot more compassionate and a whole lot less judgmental. You know, perhaps they grew up in an alcoholic family. Perhaps they were abused as a child. Perhaps they were fired from their last three jobs for reasons that were completely beyond their control. Perhaps they had a child die. Perhaps they've had two miscarriages. Perhaps their dad passed away when they were eight years old. Look, here's the thing. I've encountered people 
that have had these things as a part of their story. And once I had heard what they had been through, look, I didn't judge where they were in the process. I was compassionate for them because I knew that if I had experienced those things in my story, I'd probably be doing worse than them. I'm telling you, friends, can we, can we just stop judging other people? Can we stop that? Because, look, they are in process. They may or may not be where we are in the process, but they are in the process of being changed by Christ. So let's not be the ones that cause them to drift by being judgmental. You know, just because we think that they ought to be behaving in a certain way and they're just not there yet. That's fine. Because remember, you don't know their story. And I'm telling you, there's almost always more to the story than what you know. Always. And get this. When we show a person grace instead of judgment, it's in that moment that we become more like Christ. Because that's what he did. Even for the woman, her next step in the process was to leave her life of sin, which is exactly what Jesus called her to do at that time. So it means that when we show other people grace, we are giving them room for wherever they are in the process. And when we show people grace, we are more like Jesus in that moment, and it prevents us from drifting, and it prevents them from drifting as well. See how that works? Okay. Second big thing for all of us is, and how to love people like Jesus is this, is that I need to love with constant forgiveness. I need to love with constant forgiveness. Look at this next passage in Luke 23. Now the setting is, is that Jesus is on the cross. And so here it is. Luke 23, beginning verse 32, it says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, that's Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on the left. Jesus said, I want you to underline what Jesus says here. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. I mean, can you, can you imagine this? I mean, here's Jesus, the Son of God. He's been beaten. He's had portions of his beard ripped out of his face. He's been whipped until his back is just you know, bloody ribbons. He's been nailed through his hands and the feet into the cross. And what is Jesus' response to all of that? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And then, to make matters worse, the soldiers start rolling dice to see who's going to get his clothes. I mean, they don't even have the decency to wait until he's dead. They're just at the foot of the cross doing it right there in front of him. And then, the other people around, like, they start to taunt Jesus. And, by the way, all of this could have gone down way differently if Jesus had wanted to. Have you ever thought about that? 
So, you know, here's Jesus on the cross. They're, you know, gambling for his clothes at, the, at his feet. There's people that are around him. They're sneering. They're jeering. They're taunting. They're making fun of Jesus. You know, they're like, hey, Jesus, you know, if you really are the son of God, why don't you prove it? Just come down off the cross. I mean, so what if Jesus said, all right, fine, boom. And he showed up off the cross. And you're in their face like, now what you think about that? Because <laughs> he could have done it. Look, Matthew chapter 26, verse 53 says that Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels to his side at any moment. A legion is 5,000 soldiers. So literally Jesus could have called 60,000 angels to his side and they would have been there in a nanosecond. They would have wiped out every human being within 100 miles in less than a minute. He could have done that. But he didn't. Because if Jesus had done that, then there would be no forgiveness of sins because Jesus wouldn't have died for our sins. And honestly, I think Jesus, he could, he could, he could feel the anger of his heavenly father building up against those who had crucified him and who were mocking him. And so Jesus, said, he could feel that. And so he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And the truth is they didn't. They didn't realize that they were crucifying the actual son of God. Get this. If Jesus was willing to offer forgiveness in the middle of all of that, then why can't we? Why can't we? See, instead of Jesus offering his judgment, and his judgment would have been right, by the way, instead of Jesus offering his wrath, and he would have been well within the, his rights to have given them his wrath, instead, he offers forgiveness. And he did it to a people who didn't deserve it and who weren't even asking for it. But he gave it to them nonetheless. Bottom line, Jesus gave them grace. What is grace? I want you to write this down, okay? Grace is giving people what they do not deserve. It's giving people what they do not deserve. And on the day that Jesus was crucified, those people, they didn't deserve his forgiveness, but Jesus gave it to them. He gave them grace even though they didn't deserve it. Look, and here's the thing. Jesus didn't just give them grace. He gave them audacious grace, for beating the Son of God, for nailing him to a cross, for gambling for his clothes, for sneering and mocking at him, and all the while, he had the power to wipe them all out? <laughs> My friends, that's not just grace. Like, that is audacious grace. That is bold, over-the-top grace. And get this, if Jesus offered audacious grace in the moment of his death, could we not offer other people audacious grace in the moments of our lives? Could we not do that? I mean, when someone does something to hurt us, no matter what it is, could we not offer bold, over-the-top, audacious grace in that moment and, forg and forgive them? Look, even if they're not asking for it, even if they don't realize they need it, even if they don't deserve it, can we be the kind of people that offers audacious grace to those people? Well, sure we can. Look, and that doesn't mean that what that other person said or did is okay, but it, it's not. But it is an opportunity for us to forgive. 
And it doesn't mean that we've got to go back for more abuse or you know, more hurt or expose ourselves to more ridicule. But what it does mean is that when it happens, it's an opportunity for us to forgive. See, we need to show the same audacious grace that Jesus showed on the cross. Because look, let's be honest here, okay? It wasn't just the people that were present there that day that Jesus forgave. He forgave us as well. Because it was also our sin that forced Jesus to the cross that day. Because look, you and I, we can't forgive ourselves for what we've done. We can't provide forgiveness for ourselves. Someone else has to provide forgiveness for us. And that's what Jesus did. When he died on the cross, he didn't just bear the punishment for their sins, the people that were there that day. He bore punishment for the sins for all of us, for the whole world, for all time, all of it. Look, and here's the thing. If each one of us will take a few moments and we'll pause and we will think about all the things that we've done wrong, all the things that we've said that we wish we could take back, all of those things that we've done in private that no one else knows about, all of those things that we've done that we cannot undo but we wish we could, I'm telling you, when we realize how much we've really added to the pile, we realize that God has forgiven us for so much. So much. Grace. Audacious grace. And now he asks each of us to forgive other people and give them the same audacious grace that he gave to us. By being a person that's constantly forgiving. By, by being a person that doesn't judge other people, knowing that they're in the process. No matter where they are, whether they're in front of us or behind us, they're still in process. And we don't know all of their story. So who knows what they've been through? And when we give people that kind of grace audacious grace. When we give people that kind of grace, I'm telling you, it stops drift because it keeps us from becoming that kind of self-righteous, judgmental, arrogant person that we can't stand anyway. Because we are keenly aware of the amount of grace that has been given to us. And so when we offer that kind of grace to our kids or to our spouse or to our coworker or to a neighbor or to that person that's just so annoying, they just constantly get under your skin. When we offer grace to those people, then that makes us more like Jesus. And when it makes us more like Jesus, it draws us closer to him and it draws those other people closer to him. And that prevents drift. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus and what he did on the cross. The audacious grace that he has showed us. Oh, we don't take that for granted. Heavenly Father, help us to Embrace that and live it and just let it cover us and taint everything we say and how we respond and how we react and help us to offer grace, audacious grace to those people who don't deserve it, aren't even asking for it. 
because that's what you did for us. Remembering that everybody's in process and everybody has their own story. So help us be those kind of people and so that we never drift and are always close to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. 